Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We're honored that you're here, and we pray that you find this message both encouraging and inspiring. I have some sort of a kind of sermon prepared this morning, um, so hope you're ready. So I can say, buckle up. Um, we're going to be continuing in our series, a spirit-led life, and um, I don't even know if I can call this a sermon, but we'll see at the end. I said this last week. If you don't like it this week, come try again next week, and uh, maybe you'll like it then. So, um, But I want to read a few scriptures to you this morning. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, get this part, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. That's Galatians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 23. You say, I'm allowed to do anything. Or let me translate it to our culture today. I can do whatever I want, but not everything is good for you. You say, I can do whatever I want, which is true, but not everything is beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good but for the good of others. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece, and he created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Pray that it would pierce our hearts. Holy Spirit, I need your help this morning to communicate what you would like to say to the people in this room today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jansen, you're good, dog. Everybody give it up for Jansen this morning. Um, so I, I told you the first week that I started this sermon uh, series that I had a couple things really that happened that led me to start this sermon series, but I want to share with you um, another thing that happened in the middle of this sermon series. Uh, it's actually something I prayed for last week, and it happened to me. I prayed for it to happen to you, though, and it happened to me, um, but we'll take it. Um, so the first thing that, that led me to start this was that I was walking in the mall, West Town Mall, and uh, everybody knows where the Starbucks is. I was about to snag me a cold brew. The line was long, and I was frustrated. I was frustrated in my spirit. And I rebuked everybody for standing in. I'm totally joking. Get out of that line. It's a favor of God. But I'm walking by, and I hear the Holy Spirit saying, never settle for something that is generic, that draws a crowd, when you can have something that's genuine and authentic. And there's like a coffee shop on up from Starbucks that is called Honeybee, which makes much better coffee. 
And uh, there was no line there. So I walked in, got my coffee, and left. But this word kept ringing in my spirit. Never settle for something that is generic when you can have something that's genuine and authentic. And I said last week that the main thing that you will fight in the culture that we live in is to have a generic walk with God. You have a walk with God that is built around everybody else's walk with God, and you don't have a real one yourself. And it would never be appropriate to settle for something that is generic when you can have something that is authentic and real. Fast forward to, uh, let's see, Saturday morning. Yeah, Saturday morning about 3.30. I was not up, if that's what you're thinking. Um, But I was awakened by the Spirit. And uh, I woke up. And I hear God say the strangest phrase to me that maybe I've heard him say in a hot minute. And I'll explain why in a moment. But I'm like dead asleep. And I wake up. And as soon as I wake up, I hear the Holy Spirit say, Cole, I want to talk to you about Neil. And I was like, who's Neil? (laughs) Because I don't know nobody named Neil. And uh, he's like, I want to talk to you about Neil. You know, Neil. And I was like, Neil who? It's 3.30. Okay? Neil, we need to be getting on with this conversation. And I hear this. He speaks back to me. He says, Neil is off of his anklet again. And I was like, awesome. And it hits me out of nowhere. I've been watching this TV show, and this, the name of this TV show is called White Collar. Anybody ever seen it? Okay. The main character in White Collar, his name is Neil, and he's a criminal informant for the FBI. He's an art thief, and he's cool. Okay. Does, probably needs to be in jail, but he's cool. Okay. And I'm just like there and... I am. I have been binge-watching this show. I watched it like my first year in college, and then, um, you know, I haven't watched it since because it's been off of streaming platforms, but they've just put it back on Amazon, so I've been binge-watching it. It's one of my favorite shows ever. And so Neil is a criminal informant, informant for the FBI, and he is under the, um, the handling of an FBI agent The FBI agent's name is Peter, and he is, like, the only person that has ever caught Neil in his forgery business. Neil is an art thief, and he is a master art thief, like like the best in the world. That's what the show makes him out to be. He's a con artist. He's good at sneaking away and getting out of the way and all of this stuff, and... um, so what happens, just to give you a synopsis, what happens is, is the show starts out and Neil is in jail. Well, he grows this beard out and he sneaks out of prison and he goes to a place where this FBI agent knows where he will be. So Neil gets caught on purpose, right? And he gets caught on purpose and then he tells the FBI agent, I'll make a deal with you. I'll help, I'll help you catch all these criminals if you will just let me out. And he's like, okay, we'll see what we can do. 
So they obviously can't let him out, so he becomes a criminal informant. Well, this what he says that he's going to do just begins to happen. He helps him catch all of these criminals and stuff, and Peter begins to trust Neil, and he begins to trust him in a way where he takes his anklet off, right? So, like, how do you trust a con artist and a prison escapee to be off their anklet, right? The only way that you do that is that if he's going to give you something greater in return. And that's what he's going to do when he gets off of his anklet. He's going to make deals with these bad guys, and he has a wire and all of his stuff, and all of these people catch him, and he helps them catch all of these people. And the, the plot, like, thickens about halfway through the series, And Neil gets to this point where he starts to love working for the FBI. And as he starts to love working for the FBI, he begins to wonder if he was ever really a con artist to begin with. And he begins to wonder if he should just escape again or if he should stay working for the FBI because he's starting to fall in love with this life. And this plot thickens, and they end up stealing like $2 billion worth of uh, German art. And Neil's making forgeries of it all, and he's selling it, and they're making money. But they have this slip-up where the FBI finds out that this art has been stolen, and they have a list of things that's been stolen, and his friend puts one of the paintings on the market, on the black market. And the FBI catches them. And Neil is planning this huge escape. They're going to live on this island, him and his friend Mozzie, which Mozzie is one of my favorite characters in any TV show ever. He is this nerdy, like just very witty, quotes books all the time character. He's hilarious. Him and Mozzie are going to go to this island and they're going to live there because that has always been their dream. Once they stole the right amount of money, they could go buy an island and then buy protection to be on that island so that nobody ever catches them. But they're in this moment and Neil has this almost like this coming to self moment. And he has this like, I don't want to go to this island. I need to stop running from who I really am. Because all of this is happening, and I asked the question, and I've watched all this stuff, and I asked the question, it's like 3.30 in the morning. I said, God, what do you want me to know about Neil? Why in the world are you talking to me about Neil Caffrey, this art thief and he brings me back to this scene where him and Mozzie are standing in a kitchen and he's talking to his friend and he says Mozzie is walking out the door Neil has decided to stay and work for the FBI and stay in DC so that he can work out his sentence and go free forever and Mozzie looks at him and says you are lying to yourself this is not who you really are This is not who you really are. And Neil is in this dilemma. Am I this criminal that runs from the FBI? Am I this art thief? Or is this work 
that's being done in me right now changing me? Is what's happening to is what's happening to me? Is it changing me? And I, I asked the Lord at 3:30 in the morning, what do you want me to know about Neil? And he says this to me so clear. Restriction from the Holy Spirit is always restorative. Restriction from the Holy Spirit is always restorative. Neil having this ankle bracelet on and being restricted in what he was doing was actually restoring him into who he always was. And the restriction from the Holy Spirit in your life is not to punish you. It is to restore you into the image that God made you into. And we think that restriction from the Holy Spirit is always for punishment. And it's always for restoration. God's plan is for restoration. Even God's no's are restorative. When, God, when you ask, when you want to do something, and this is all under the banner of a spirit-led life, when you want to do something, have you ever had God tell you no before? Just no. Don't do that. Do not do that. And you did not understand that in the moment. But on the back side of this, you see what would have happened if you did not listen to that no. And I'm not even talking about, I'm not even talking about sin issues. I'm not talking about you posting dumb stuff on social media. I'm not talking about you cussing out the waitress. I'm not talking about you being rude to the waiter. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I'm not talking about your bitterness and your offense. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I'm talking about when you're submitted to a life that is led by the Spirit, can you handle the no of God then? Can you handle when God says no and you haven't done anything wrong? One of the things that we often say in church is God is good. He's nothing but good, right? Nothing but good. But a lot of times I think we see God's nose as somehow he's mean. And he's not, he's not looking out for me. He's not letting me do what I want. So there's a, there's a passage of scripture in Acts chapter 16 where Paul goes to Asia. Paul goes to Asia to plant churches and to preach the gospel. And Paul is a, is a quote-unquote missionary. And his whole po- the whole point of him going to Asia was to preach and to build churches. And he gets there and the Bible says that the Spirit of God would not let him say one word. And then it says that he travels a little bit and he goes a little bit further and it says that the spirit of Jesus would not let him say a word there either. And so God's no led him to Europe where he meets Lydia. And Lydia gets saved in Europe and becomes the first convert in all of Europe. And so... God's saying no to Paul and Paul listening to that prick that we talked about last week led to an entire nation getting saved. 
And your no, when you hear a no from God, it may not lead to a whole nation getting saved, but it may lead to your family. And it may lead to your kids. And it may lead to their kids. And it may lead to your neighbor. And it may lead to all of these people in your life. But you have to submit to the restriction of the Holy Spirit. Restriction from God is always restorative. Restriction from God is always restorative. This is what St. Augustine said. Me and Pastor Casey, we pray the daily office every morning. I usually drop Beckham off daycare on my way to work. We pray the daily office. And there was this colic this week from St. Augustine. And it says this. It opens up. It's actually a prayer for peace. And it opens up. And this is what the colic says. It says, to know God is eternal life. And to serve him is perfect freedom. To know God is eternal life. But to serve him is perfect freedom. There is nothing more freeing in the world than living a life that is led by the Spirit of God. That's why Paul said, all things are lawful to me. I can do whatever I want, but not all things are profitable to me. And you have to move out of the mindset that you are just allowed to do whatever you want. And I don't even mean sin. Obviously, I mean sin, but not just sin. You have to come under the restriction of the Holy Spirit when you're typing out that Facebook post and you really want to send it, but it's stupid. And full of bitterness. I got on back on social media at the beginning of the year. And I don't, nobody in here or in the world has friends because I found out in 2022, everybody got cut off. You got left. I was like, my God, folks. I ain't, I ain't even do nothing. David. <laughs> Glory to God. But to know God is eternal life and to serve Him is perfect freedom. Serving God is the most freeing thing that you'll ever do. Submitting to a life of walking in the Spirit is the most freeing thing that you'll ever do. It's not following the conviction of others because that isn't walking in the Spirit. That's you having a walk with God that is piggybacked on someone else's. And that you will become generic. You won't be able, I can tell you this, you, you won't be able to hear God at 3.30 in the morning wake you up and say, I want to talk to you about Neil. You won't be walking by Starbucks and you hear the Lord say, never settle for something generic when you can have something that's genuine and authentic. You're just bitter about the line. If you want a life with God, it is a life with God that is fully submersed in this. It is that moment where Neil had, am I going to be an art thief or am I going to be everything that I could be? 
And you can't walk on that line. You can't flirt with the old you. You can't flirt with a part of you that's dead. In Jesus. I know people who have crucified their flesh and then with their worlds and with their words, they've resurrected it from the dead. Because there's power in your words. I know people who have been on fire for God like you have never seen in your life. And then something doesn't go their way. And then they're no longer on fire for God. And I can tell you why that is. It's never because you didn't meet the real Jesus. You met a version of him that American Christianity has painted And it's a generic version of God. Because if you ever meet the real Jesus, then you will be convinced that eternal life is to know Him and to serve Him as perfect freedom. Most of the time, I hear this in church all the time. It's very concerning to me. I'm not like encouraged by this. You ever have people tell you, this is one of the strangest compliments that people give me. It makes me feel so uncomfortable. Some people will say, like, sometimes they're like, you're so wise. And I'm like, I don't know how to take that. Because are you saying, like, the rest of the church is dumb? (laughs) Are you saying that the rest of the church don't get this? I don't know how you can walk with Jesus for years on years on years on years. Actually, (laughs) I'll give you a better example. I don't know how you can come to church for years on years on years on years and it just be you coming to church to hear me preach and experience the worship. I don't know how you can do that. If church is a hobby for you, If walking with God is a hobby for you, I do not understand that. Because that's not what this life is. That's not what you were made for. That's not what this is supposed to be. This is not just show up, hear the sermon, worship, go home. Join a community group. Serve. That's not what this is. It's encounters with God at 3.30 in the morning. It's encounters with God in the mall. It's encounters with God when you're washing your dishes. It's encounters with God when people come over and you have the wisdom of God that comes off of your lips to heal a situation that they're walking through. That's what this life is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be boring and generic. I do not understand the mindset When people are like, Christianity just seems boring. Well, a lot of it is. A lot of it is. But following Jesus is not. Following Jesus is not. Following Jesus is not boring at all. Submitting to the ways and the work of the Spirit in your life is anything but boring. It's fun sometimes. It's frustrating. It's hard sometimes. 
It messes with all of your emotions sometimes. But you have to trust that God has your best interest in mind. You have to trust that the restriction that he puts on your life is for a restorative purpose, not just to cause you pain, not just to say, well, you can't do this or you can't do that. That's not the purpose of this. You have to see his restriction as restorative. And so after the Lord finished talking to me about that, I said, is there anything else that you would like me to know about Neil? Because I'm going back to bed immediately. So if you could hurry this up, that'd be fantastic. What else do you want to tell me about Neil? And I hear this, I hear his voice. He says this. Remember, Neil is an art thief. And he's a really good one. And the Holy Spirit says this. He says, you are his masterpiece. But sin tries to make you a cheap copy. You are his masterpiece. But sin tries to make you a cheap copy. The hardest thing that you will ever do in this walk with God is you take your hand off of the brush that he is using and the potter's wheel and let him touch everything that he wants to touch and let him fix everything that he wants to fix. You are his masterpiece, but sin has tried to make you a cheap copy. Listen, I'm going to mess with you this morning. Shocker. Here we go. You ready? You do not have a sin nature. You have a human nature. And sin distorts what it means to be human. Jesus did not become sin. He became human. And you are the you are everything that Jesus is in the eyes of God. And you were becoming everything that he was. You were not there yet. Because if you were, there would be no issues going on. It would be like heaven on earth. But you do not have a sin nature. You have a human nature. And sin distorts the image of God. When God got ready to make humans, he starts the creation process. He says, let there be light, let there be grass, let there be animals, let there be all of this. But when he gets ready to make humans, he says, let us make humans. He didn't say, let there be. He said, let us make. Because even Adam was subject unto the undergoing of God making him Christ-like. You are not just something that is put here on the earth that is. You are created in the image of God and sin has distorted that image. And God, being the master creator that he is, takes you somehow and makes you into a masterpiece. He takes all of the stuff 
and makes you into a masterpiece. Your problem is, is that you believe that God is a master builder. And you don't believe that he's a master creator. You believe that God just makes things. And that he doesn't use everything that is on the canvas to make it beautiful. Because you are a canvas. And you have been marred by sin. And in the process of that, God somehow, in his creative nature, takes pieces of you here, he takes pieces of you here, he takes pieces of you here, and he somehow makes that beautiful. You are his masterpiece, and sin will try to make you a cheap copy. And just like in this whole show that I'm watching, Neil forged so many pieces of art, and they were never the real thing. And what you will become if you don't submit to the work of the Spirit in your life is you will become a forgery. You'll become a forgery of all the other Christian influencers that you follow. I actually stopped following Christian influencers. You know why? Because most of them are just on TikTok and Instagram. And they're not really influencing anybody's life. One-liners are are over. Guys, we need to leave one-liners behind us. Good God. I had somebody this week send me a preacher that like spit out this awesome one-liner, and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's so cool. Awesome. I'm not going to spend my life building something that is fake. I'm not going to spend my life building something that is built around my ability to get up here and preach and speak and my gifting and Emily's gifting to lead worship and, and Joe's gifting to hit that bass run that he did earlier today. Yeah, everybody, everybody's, everybody's like, hmm. That's not what we're building this around. We are building this by introducing you to the person of Jesus and telling you that the only life worth living is one that is serving him. And there is no other life worth living One that is not fully submitted to the work of God is not a life worth living, man. It's not a life worth living. And I don't care how much money you make, how many cars you got, how many houses you got, how many friends that you think you have. The work of the Spirit does something on the inside of you. And it makes you taste and see that God is good. That's what David said. And once you taste and see one time, you can never stop going back. It's like Connors. Anybody ever been to Connors in here? Except much better. Taste that lobster crab bisque once. It's like, I'll be back. That's what it's like walking in the Spirit, with the Spirit, all the time. Here's the question that I know you're asking. How in the world am I supposed to do that? I'm just going to give you step one. Get in or get out. Be a Christian or don't. 
be a follower of Jesus or don't. You can't walk on the line of your old life and the new one that he wants to give you. It'll never work. You will be so frustrated with God because he will not leave you alone. He will not. If you give God an inch, he takes a mile. And he will not leave you alone. He will not stop knocking on the door of your heart. He won't ever stop. It's not in his nature. He'll never stop convicting you of what you know that you should not be doing. He will never leave you alone. We so misinterpret the scripture. It says, God will never leave me or forsake me. And we only want that scripture when we're going through tough times. Not when we don't want God to get up in our stuff. Because that's who He is. God wants to get in all of your stuff. All of it. And He's scared of none of it. And your rejection doesn't bother Him. You ignoring the pricks that I talked about last week in Acts chapter 9 does not make him stop. It just makes your heart hard. This life cannot be a life like Neil Caffrey's. can't be like Neil. You can't be criminal informant by day, thief by night. And it's not, this is not to get you to change behavior. This is not what this is about. This is not saying stop doing this and then you'll be this. No. This is calling you into a life that you are absolutely created for. And as you begin to participate in the life that you were made for, things start to change. If you change it to participate in this life, that is self-righteousness. If you try to deal with all of your issues by yourself so that you can participate in this spirit-led life, That becomes self-righteousness. The restriction and the guidance of the Holy Spirit works all of that out of you. I can do everything I want to do, but I shouldn't. You are God's masterpiece. And He made you to do all of the things that He planned for you before the world ever existed. But it takes a submitting to the work of God. I actually feel this as I'm saying it. Some of you don't need to yield to the work of the Spirit. 
you need to stop. You need to full-fledged stop and let God begin to work on you in a place of rest. You need to slow down to the point where God can actually do what he would prefer to do in you. There is nothing worth sacrificing that time for. There is nothing worth sacrificing those moments where, where David is, is talking about in Psalm 23 where he says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters to restore my soul. God takes you and gets you still and quiet and then begins this work on the inside of you that restores you into the masterpiece that you've always been. But we don't want to yield and we don't want to stop because we want to save face we want people to think that we're one way when we're not. I do not understand that. Maybe I'm just more sensitive to the Holy Spirit's conviction that you are because when I feel that He's tugging on me in one way, I don't know how to say no. As if you really get a vote. Right? He'll get you now or later. One way or the other. Pastor Casey used to preach this sermon about raising his kids and he says this can be as easy as you want it to be or this can be as firm as necessary a walk with God can be as easy as you want it to be but it can also be as firm as necessary because he will be firm with you to save you from the destruction that you're going to cause yourself. Right? I got to be firm with Beckham sometimes. The other day I thought that Beckham was going to hurl himself down the stairs. He got on the little, you know, the handrail or whatever. Starts throwing his leg over. I'm like, hey, dog, get off that. Don't hurt yourself. But my restriction was to save him from a, a whole lot of pain. It wasn't because I was mad at him. Now, he's mad at me. So he want to take a trip down the stairwell. You have to submit to the work of the Spirit in your life. You have to understand that his restriction is restorative. Jansen, you can come on up. Man of God, anointed. I just feel when you hit those keys that the glory of God's going to break out everywhere over Knoxville, Jansen. Amen. <laughs> you ever watch those uh, Pentecostal videos? Somebody is talking in the background and they don't say amen, they say amen. <laughs> it's hey, H A Y, man. Hey, man. The restriction of Jesus is always restorative. And it's restorative in the fact that He is taking everything in your life and He is making you into His masterpiece.
And he doesn't make cheap copies. He doesn't make forgeries. He doesn't make mistakes. You do. He don't. But in his goodness, he takes all of that and he makes this beautiful piece of art that is you. He makes this beautiful piece of pottery no matter how marred the clay is that is you he makes this beautiful whole healthy person that is you and he factors in all of your screw ups he factors that in do you know when you get ready to have a kid You don't have a kid under the delusion that they're never going to screw anything up. Beckham punched someone in the face over Thanksgiving. He did. Right hook. But when I got ready to have a child, I factored stuff like that in. And just because he did that doesn't make him any less mine. And just because the life that you're living right now may not be fully submerged in the Spirit doesn't make you any less His. Just because the life that you're living right now actually could be full of sin and guilt and shame and all of those things that that make you feel like that God is distant. Just because you have all of those things does not mean that you are any less His. He factors in every mistake. He factors in every screw-up. He factors in every time you blew it and every time you failed and every time you said something about someone that you wasn't supposed to say and every time that you you made that bad decision while you were in an argument with someone or, or every time that you watched pornography or every time that you slept with someone who wasn't your husband or wife, He factors in all of that. Every single thing He factors in And he makes you into this beautiful masterpiece. And that's why it is eternal life that we know in. And to serve him is perfect freedom. Because you get free from all of the ideas that you have to perform or that you have to put it all together for God to do something in your life. To serve Him is perfect freedom because He sets you free from all of that stuff with one stroke of the paintbrush. With one turn on the potter's wheel. He takes all wrong things and doesn't just make them right. He makes them beautiful. This morning, I want you to stand with me. We're going to go into just a time of prayer and worship this morning. If you need prayer for any reason, there'll be a couple people that come down here to pray with you. But if not, I just want you to 
in this moment, I want you to take, you know, two or three minutes. If you need to go get your kids, that's wonderful. But take two or three minutes and just sit in the presence of God. And I want you to ask him this question. God, show me you as creator and as artist. And do everything that you want to do in me. To take these places that look like mistakes and make them beautiful. Do everything that you want to do in me. Take all of my bitterness. Take all of my disappointment. And pick up your paintbrush and begin to make me into your masterpiece that I was always created to be. I want you to stretch your hands to Jesus in this moment. Father, we thank you for your spirit. God, begin a work in us this morning. Show us everything that you want to show us. Do in us everything that you want to do. Make us into the people that you want to make us into. We want to be everything that you've asked us to be, to know you as eternal life and to serve you as perfect freedom. Set us free from the lies of performance. Set us free from the lies that I have to be someone I'm not. Set us free from the lie that we need to save face. Set us free from the lie that nobody cares, that nobody loves us. Set us free from all of those lies this morning. Take all of the things that we believe about ourselves and just begin to paint them into the beautiful picture that you believe about us. This morning, Jesus, move in our hearts this morning.